0: My next guest, Rome Lakin, is a double amputee that has caught the imagination of social media, television, and the entire amputee community. Rome is an amputee advocate, competitive marathoner, and participates in countless adaptive sports and activities. Rome has inspired millions with his determination and spirit. It is our pleasure to introduce Mr. Roman Lakin.
1: Hey, Rome, how you doing today? Hello, I'm doing great. Thank you, Rich. How are you?
0: Roman, good to see you this morning. Uh, I really appreciate you being here. I've been following you uh, as of recent online, and it looks like you're super busy right now. So I do appreciate you carving out an hour. And we are doing this a little bit earlier to to accommodate you. I'm glad we were able to do that. And I'm sure you've got a busy day ahead but fantastic to finally get you on the show and get caught up on all the uh, really exciting things that you're doing. I tend to get a little overwhelmed when I follow you because there's a lot going on with you. Were you always as active as you are now before your amputation? I guess that's the... Not even close. Yeah, that's my first curiosity.
1: Not even close. I mean, I was a web developer in uh living in Brooklyn, working in Manhattan, and it was just living uh, the normal New York City life. You know, you go to the gym every now and then, you go on runs every now and then. I would definitely bike everywhere. I enjoyed active activity, but I was never in a league like I am now. Okay, I'm thriving in the competition and the actual competitiveness of it. That's what I'm very excited for.
0: Yeah, and and I find that interesting because there's so many amputees that I talk to that discover their fitness level after an amputation. I'm actually in that group as well. Was a hardworking guy, went to work every day. Yes, I'd hit the gym every once in a while. Or if a friend said, hey, we're doing a 5K this weekend, you want to come along? I could do those things. Certainly not in, I I guess I would say, in a confident way, but I could still do them. And after my amputation, it was as if that situation spoke to me and said, if you're going to do this in a way, a confident way, a way where you feel as if you're mastering it, you need to get your ass in shape like this is not That's
1: exactly yeah. how I feel. This is not
0: going to work exactly. for you. Exactly. Every morning I wake
1: up, I never feel like I'm um ready enough. I mean, I still go out and tackle what I have to tackle specifically to try to get better, to try to work harder today so I don't have to work as hard tomorrow type of thing.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's always it's always that progression, that evolution we're we're trying to li- bring our best selves to this uh lifestyle this situation and being inspired by people like yourself I tend to wake up with that urgency of okay what what am I doing today to take things up just a little bit to a higher level to a higher plane what was the the most mm. challenging thing for you I I've, I've watched many of the videos of your progression in getting accustomed to walking with a prosthesis. There's a video that I watched sort of at the beginning of your journey that I found to be really, really transparent and sort of putting yourself in a very vulnerable place. It looked as if you were giving a test drive to some prosthetic legs for the first time, and they weren't. Yeah, the st- that was my first time. Yeah, they weren't the stubbies. They, um, were, they were full yeah. on, you know, uh, legs. My full
1: on C leg force. Yeah, exactly. And, and that was my first time like freehand walking basically with nothing. Around. Right. And it just, it, that's what it led, led to. And my thinking was I got to learn this. Best way to do it. I know others are in the online social media sphere who know better than me. How better to do it than to put a collection of me trying yeah. and then get their feedback. And that's exactly what I did. Well, that was my intention, but it obviously snowballed to something bigger, which yeah. is great. I like it.
0: Yeah. No, it, it certainly got a a ton of views, obviously myself included. But you know, I would describe the video as reality. This is what it looks yes. Yeah, this is what it looks like when someone who has lost their legs is trying to walk for the first time. Very often at least when I speak to able-bodied people and they'll say, "Oh, you're getting those cool you, you know, those cool prosthetics and you can walk faster, run faster, do all these things." Mm. And I'm I'm thinking, "How did this perception get built?" that we just step in to a socket and our lives are transformed in a moment that suddenly we're Paralympic mm-hmm. athletes and we can run and jump and and do all these things. And I think, man, you know, Rome's video, if you can catch it, it's, you know, and we'll and we'll probably throw a clip of this, on the episode, as well, For sure. It's it's really, really a dose of harsh reality in that you're trying to simply walk across grass, and I think a couple I of mean, other surfaces, but but predominantly glass or not glass, but grass. Right, yeah. Wow, glass. Yeah, no at. way. No, we're not going <laughs> to do that. <laughs> Please don't do that. Um, <laughs> not yet, at least. No, no. you're you're walking across <laughs> grass. For the sole purpose of knowing you're going to fall, continually fall, mm-hmm. you need to be on a softer surface. Because putting you on asphalt in that right. situation is
1: not going to. It's just too too much for me. <laughs> I think. Uh, and uh, I didn't well. have all the necessary arm gear that uh, that I clearly would have needed at the time. You know.
0: Yeah, and you're you're stumbling and it's like, all right, around. We got grass here. Yeah, I mean you're stumbling around, you're you're tripping, you're you're losing your balance, you're you're spinning around and to be quite honest, I the way I I would compare it to is you look like a child learning to walk for the first time. And mm-hmm. it's it's really inspiring in that you don't give up in this video. You just keep you keep going, you keep getting up, you keep pushing yourself and you, you end up resting in a place where you can actually walk, you know, tentatively, cautiously, but you're walking. And I think it's important for the general public to understand what that looks like. And moreover, and more importantly, to amputees, what that looks mm-hmm. like. Very often, I believe in our community many newer amputees see the high performers, see the high functioning people and need to pump the brakes a bit and say, okay, but where does this start? How does this journey begin? And what does it look like?
1: That sounds very familiar. That's exactly how I started off. And when I searched online, all I saw was perfection. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, great. I could do that stuff, but no way can I ever do that stuff, you know? <laughs> I mean, and then, uh, all right, I just uh, posted what it looked like that that first time I tried. And then progress shows. Of course, at that time, I didn't know what I know now, and I would have done things differently. Also, the sockets that I were in were much too big. Um, I definitely should have started off on stubbies, but I didn't even know about stubbies for two years. I tried to just do sea legs. Yeah, And then I learned about stubbies and then I primarily focused eight months straight on stubbies and then felt more comfortable. And the stubbies
0: help you get your center of gravity going where you kind of had some confidence.
1: Absolutely. Teach you how to walk in. I mean, I'm in uh, my stubbies now.
0: Yeah. So so it's a go to for someone like yourself, you know, uh, above the knee, you know, double amputee. That that would be a let's let's call it in the menu of choices that you choose. Um, I know as an amputee myself, we all continue to to uh, use assistive devices. You know different things that help us do various tasks throughout the day. And I will tell someone that's all very normal. That we employ many different ways to get around. I'm, mm-hmm. You know, I'm six years into this and every once in a while around the house, I still use a knee roller. And someone will say, oh, wow, you're still using that? Aren't you just in your leg all the time? And I'll say, well, th- that's, you know, really not how it works.
1: We, we we wear right not necessarily for everybody right yeah. depending on their the level of amputation and how like because mine was from a traumatic accident right and I have so much skin graft and I didn't have a, necessarily a revision surgery to to add some cushion for the pushing type of thing on my sure. left. You know, so when I'm wearing my socket, even for a certain, even for most of the day, it's going to start to pain and I'm going to have to take it off. And yeah, I'm going to be rolling in my wheelchair at night. So yep. what? Yep. That's life. Yeah. Until I can go see my plastic surgeon and we can have a revision surgery. But my hope is to have them on all day for sure.
0: And I, and I think that's important to note that there's this evolution that occurs with residual limbs they're constantly changing. I will talk to certain mm-hmm. amputees that will have a 10 a, a year run where they didn't have a single issue. They're they're high functioning, they're they're living mm-hmm. their lives, and then suddenly something develops that puts them in a trajectory for a revision. And mm. and it's not it's not necessarily their fault it It's really just has to do with the progression and evolution of a residual limb that is now living in a prosthesis. And right. that can create a number of different things that, let's say, are not biologically normal. I mean, we're're we're, we're taking mm-hmm. a, a part of our body and we're putting it. Right you know, in whatever, fiberglass, carbon fiber, you know, whatever we're, we're jamming it into, and we're trying to perform with those, um, you know, with those extensions of our limbs, and that can create some, you know, longer term effects that maybe we hadn't anticipated. So,
1: that. i learned the hard way yeah i had to learn that the hard way but at least uh you know with the uh, skin graft it's skin graft so i went uh last august uh, to cali on this trip and i was at this hotel it was a huge hotel uh but i had just got in my new sockets they fit much better they fit great but they were more snug and i wore them the whole time and i walked everywhere and i guess i had developed a blister on my left mm. uh that opened up and you know but when I got home, I didn't even notice this. So it took me a week afterwards, pretty much. I got home, and then it got huge and really ugly, and so I just had to go pretty much six months without uh, wearing my prosthetics. Yeah. And only recently, like I don't know, maybe a month or two ago, did it finally heal up. Finally, started going out again. So yeah, it. I mean, it's just totally off off topic, but um, I can see how. People would view that if that would happen to them as regression, right? Like, I started, I did my time in short stubbies, then I added a little bit of length, which is how you're supposed to do it. And then I went full sea legs and everything. Then I went to California, was doing great. And then, boom, now back in a wheelchair. Oh, and I finally healed, and oh, I'm back in stubbies. Great. I don't know. I just never look at it as a the learning curve. I know that I don't want it to happen again. So now I'm just a little bit more diligent in how I go about wearing my prosthetics. I don't wear them all day, even though I totally I probably could bustle it. I don't want to have to deal with six months out again.
0: Yeah. I think I think what you're referring to. I know it's the same thing for me. It's finding this this balance, this sort of equilibrium of time in a prosthesis versus time at rest giving your limb a chance to recover for your skin to recover. And obviously when you're doing as many activities as yourself, that has to be a really, really deliberate exercise because, you know, I, I work uh, a full-time job, go to work every day. I like to get in my workouts during the week as well as the weekend. So in my mind, I'm always sort of, kind of micromanaging those recovery times, okay, if if I am going to go to the gym, do I have a half hour, mm-hmm. an hour to give my residual limb a rest before I'm jumping on a treadmill
1: or, you know, I'm, I'm you doing- You make sure you plan that out before-
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. If I was to transition from, you know, let's say, you know, walking around the office all day to- uh, going on an elliptical, I'm I'm sort of, kind of asking for trouble in that situation. Yeah, I'm I'm I'd sort of that. telling my limb, hey, I don't care how bad this is for you. I'm just gonna mm-hmm. push through it, and and that's where sometimes exactly the the skin breakdown can occur, and and things of that nature. What currently um, with everything that you've got going on, I I know you engage just a, a a tremendous amount of different adaptive sports uh your 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 history if someone was to do a deep dive on you i mean man there's just there's so much that you've engaged as an amputee which certainly is inspiring what's what's the thing that interests you most right now or what's most challenging for you right now
1: doing it more doing more um, and doing it more fluidly, like more challenges. Like There's a specific one. I did the Gaylord Gauntlet. Okay. Um, and that has a number of obstacles where you're crawling through mud and going over uh, walls and and uh, walking through mud and all that. And I remember last year I did it. I could only do half because my socket wasn't fitting right and I was so exhausted. But to do all of that, you know, would be a feat. So um, my hardest challenges are what I set for myself. And that's always thinking, okay, I can kind of do A, B, and C, but I can do A, B, and C better. I mean, yeah, D, E, F, sure, whatever. But let's get A, B, and C because they're going to allow me to do D E F sounds right? like, sounds so, like
0: realistic goals. Sounds like you're, you're wanting to build on um, your I, And especially going back
1: to uh, what you were saying with the letting uh leg rest, I always kept it so simple um, after my accident. it was simpler for me to be like, Oh, it's darker out. Now let me take the leg off. And now with the time change, it's going to be a little bit harder, yeah. at least on the East coast. Uh, but Where we all get that's, that, at least that spring week.
0: fever. That spring fever kicks in, and we're like,
1: oh man. It did. It kicked in yesterday. I got to go outside. Madness. I got to
0: do this. I, I'm, I'm the same way. I'm like, I got to ride my bike, man. It's going to be nice out. It's, there's going to be daylight.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> I get all. I'm so excited. I'm so up. excited, especially <laughs> for the summer. It's going to be fantastic. Yep. I can't wait.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: Uh, and the other thing that I remember you were mentioning is what has been the hardest. I think it's for me, since I'm also a uh, traumatic brain injury survivor, TBI, that has been the mental, um, because the physical, I realized right after more or less that video that I can kind of, I can get the physical aspects Mm -hmm. of what I need. I can figure out how to walk again. I can figure out how to run again. I can figure out how to do all this. But can I figure out how to communicate again? Can I figure out how to have a conversation again? Can I figure out how to live in public without lashing out all the time, you know? And that's only been recent because for TBI, a lot of times what happens for TBI, and I got hit right here in the frontal part, is that your dopamine and serotonin levels get way off balance, right? And what happens is you tend to react very negatively and very aggressively to everything, anything that happens to you. And that's what Mm -hmm. I was doing, especially those that are closest to me. You know, my mom and dad, um, especially they were telling me the shit that I would say at nurses when I was staying at Burke. Oh God, thank God I don't remember any of that. Well, let's talk a little bit. Right, so.
0: Let's talk a little bit about your accident. I want to use this as a segue. And mm -hmm. you've been very forthcoming very transparent, and to the betterment of, you know, traumatic injury survivors, you've been very offering of your story. And mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I admire that because so often people go through these things and it, it's hard for them to talk about it. And I'm not suggesting that at any time it's been easy for you, but mm-hmm. i'm going to let you walk the audience through the day you lost your legs and what occurred this is certainly out there 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 you you know Ro- rome's definitely been interviewed he's he's been on you're on tamron hall you've been on you know all kinds of different shows and and different news pieces your 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 story is definitely there but um, for the the benefit of this audience specifically, if you don't mind, just walk us through that day and what led to your amputation and your uh, your brain injury.
1: Sure. I was February 2nd, 2018. It so a regular Friday morning. I was uh, going to work, living in Brooklyn, uh, working in Manhattan. And uh, what I remember of that day is getting up and getting ready to go to work. And then I remember, the next thing I remember much later, about three months or so, is waking up in the hospital. And I didn't need a doctor to come in and tell me I didn't have any legs. I knew right away.
0: What was um, the time from so that day to when you woke up? Was it like the next day you woke up or the same day?
1: Oh no! It was, and I, I was a little sketchy about this at first. I thought it was, oh yeah, I just woke up. No, it was like three weeks, I think. Three weeks.
0: So it was from the time that you had the accident till the time that, on the calendar, that you sort of woke up. Let's call it. You were. Completely- I was
1: already thirty-two. I think.
0: No Because okay. this
1: happened a couple weeks before my 32nd birthday. I was 31 at the time, going <laughs> on 32. I you had said, two legs when I was 31, and I had none when I was 32.
0: You celebrated your birthday unconscious.
1: Yeah. Wow. I, you know, 32 is a wash.
0: Okay. So, so that's a remarkable part of the story that I did not know. You know, in my mind, when I've heard you tell the story, and maybe I missed the detail, uh, I just thought, okay, you had this accident, and then maybe the next day... You woke up in a hospital, no, I think at, at
1: that the time I was kind of describing it that way because I wasn't too sure I didn't want to rehash the details in my parents, oh parents. oh I see. how long was I out when you you know
0: yeah, 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 no, I understand, okay, so you so you wake up, a doctor doesn't need to right tell right, it. so what had
1: happened was um, I had a seizure um I'm diagnosed, I was diagnosed with epilepsy when I was about fourteen. Um, but I haven't had seizures in years cause I'm on medication for it. And I haven't had one since that day really. Um, but what happened is I had a seizure uh, on a subway platform and I fell in onto the subway tracks and then I got run over by the subway and it hit me pretty much diagonally, you know, it took my legs, smashed me in the head, didn't give me a skull fracture, but, uh, left me with brain damage. Um, what left me with a TBI, and I got scars on because it hit me in my hand too. Yeah. Uh so and then three weeks later, I guess I woke up in the hospital and uh, with lots of plenty of drugs.
0: Yeah, yeah, and that's uh, when I when I think about all the the different amputations that I've I've heard about and read about and people that I engage, even on a daily basis, uh, your story uh, ranks up there in terms of trauma. I mean, that's a, that's a pretty brutal, you know, brutal way to, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, to lose your limbs um, Mm -hmm. is, you know, dealing with that situation. And there's this part of me, I guess, in my mind that thinks, like I'm almost thankful in a way that you didn't, you don't necessarily remember the pain.
1: Oh yeah, for sure. Me too. Yeah. There's, I don't have any, um, PTSD or PTS or anything like that. I remember I rode the subway uh, a couple of years ago. No problem. Yeah. yeah. So it's, I have I just, good thing I don't remember. Yeah. And- but at the same time, you know, it's like, oh man, you, you mentioned, been forthcoming with my story and whatnot. I've been thinking about that a lot. And because if, if we are in a different class, right? At the same time, we don't just want to go to a bar, have a drink and then have some random dude. First thing he says is, oh, what happened? Yeah. You know, hey, no, no, you don't, you don't have the right to know. You didn't even ask me my name. It's like, once you get to know me, because I feel personally that I am more than not having legs. And if that's all you care about, then I certainly don't care about you. Um, yeah, I get it. But I obviously very much know that it is part of who I am. So there's like a half and half type of thing.
0: Yeah, you know, and, and sometimes that messaging, sometimes that that form of delivery, it, it, it needs to be uh, reined in a bit. And very often, when I look at high-functioning amputees like yourself, people that come back from trauma, people that live their lives in a way that is inspirational, certainly there's, there's questions. So much of my pursuit in the podcast is about learning what those experiences are like because I see them as major components of inspiration for the community And they're very important to get out there. Now, when you're talking about just everyday walks of life, I think I'm in the same camp as you as people tend to be a little cautious with me. I pick up on that. And usually if I have an opportunity to crack a joke or make a reference, well, then the floodgates open and then all the questions start coming at me you know, uh, really fast. So if I'm in a group of people, Mm. I've spent the entire weekend with them. There is not a single mention of the fact that I'm wearing a prosthesis, but the moment I make a joke or the moment I say something about my leg, well then suddenly Mm. everyone is just super curious, you know? know, So are you
1: thinking to yourself that you should have made that joke on the first day of the trip? (laughs) i well, you're glad you saved this to the last. Well, because no, I would be thinking to myself, I mean, I immediately, like, make uh, jokes about it. I try to get a good laugh. Like, I remember yesterday when I was picking up my bib for the half marathon, and then uh, we were walking through the the, I would, the footwear section. I was like, oh, thank God I found the footwear section. <laughs> and this this uh, one of the security guards just burst out laughing. I was like, oh, yeah, <laughs> just kept on strolling along. You know, so uh, I tried to bring a little light. I and think I'm, I think that's a good otherwise point. Otherwise, it's too stuffy.
0: No, I think you're right. But that's a good point because there are times that I have come with the jokes right away and I've noticed a an uncomfortable an uncomfortable sort of I don't know laugh like
1: a response even. <laughs> just, you know, that's why I, just a, like a lot a, of oh the times Oh my gosh, he's going there. <laughs> Right and they have no idea that you're going to go there meanwhile we're just dying for you to go there too you know yeah. we were we we've been there for a while now you know
0: Exactly <laughs> and I, and I think sometimes the the thought of losing a limb losing a part of your you know of your anatomy it's it's hard for some people not all but it is certainly hard for some individuals to digest What's that like? Mm. what does that feel like? And I think when I notice this the most, I don't really notice it that often when I'm in a prosthesis, but when I was post op and I was in a wheelchair and I would go places and i mean my my residual limb is just you know as they say, kind of hanging around, and mm-hmm. I would notice some pretty extreme reactions to me. It was sort of a spectrum of kind of like sadness in some in the eyes of some people. But to be quite honest there there was moments where I could see almost like a horrified look on someone's face where they thought oh, oh my gosh what happened? oh my gosh, what happened to you? Oh my gosh, that's terrible. And mm-hmm. now that I'm in a prosthesis, ge- generally most of the time, it, it seems like that tends to shift when you're in a prosthesis and they look at you. 100%, I was just, uh, I was just
1: gonna say that. Yeah. yeah, it's exactly how I feel. Um, the way that I created it was, especially when I was making the transition from wheelchair to stubbies, because you're just as short, if not shorter, yeah. Um, you know, but, uh, the way that I thought about it was that no matter what, if people see you in a wheelchair and they're thinking you can be walking, they are going to look down on you. But when people see you walking and they think, wow, you could be doing that in a wheelchair. They're going to look up to you no matter how short you are. Yeah, And that's how I felt personally, at least that's how, I don't know if that's how I looked, but that's how I felt in my head. Like, oh yeah, I could be in a wheelchair now, woe is me when I went downtown or out somewhere. But I said, no, screw this. I am absolutely going to go in my stubbies and do everything. And yeah, people were still looking down at was Well, oh, what? But I felt like they were looking with this sense of awe, like, hey, at least he's not in a wheelchair. And that was enough for me.
0: Yeah, he's up and moving. So... There's something that you had mentioned, and i I don't recall the interview or or the video blog, but you had spoken at the beginning of your journey, you adopted sort of this copy and paste kind of concept that mm-hmm. when you were navigating this new world, this amputee experience, you were just copy and paste, copy and paste and can you, just because there's so many new amputees that listen to the podcast, I get messages from, from people who are even pre-op, and they're getting ready to lose a limb, and they're just trying to get information about how to navigate this very <laughs> strange world that we live in sometimes. Kind of walk me through that copy and paste sort of uh, methodology that you were using.
1: Now, I know a little bit better at the time when it was just, (laughs) like, find people out there who don't have both their legs uh, uh, above the knee, do what they do, and then... Get to where they're at by exactly what they're doing but everybody's situation is different because of my traumatic injury my left uh my bone is so close to the skin and that's why there's more pain there i can't perform certain tasks i can't do certain movements that those guys can so i mean at first copy and paste because it's simple to keep in mind oh this person is doing it better than me he's been at it they've been at it longer than me how are they doing it? Start off like that. And then once you feel more comfortable with it, and then you can gear more towards, okay, is how close are our uh, limb losses? How, I mean, are you from a traumatic accident or is it a, a scheduled surgery? Because normally scheduled ones, they tend to get it ready for prosthetics as opposed to a traumatic accident. Anything can happen.
0: Yeah cuz you're you're essentially trying to salvage something that's gone through a massive trauma and it's right. it, it's it's not dictated by a surgeon's scalpel it's okay what are we going to do with what this train did to this young man how are we going So for
1: s- me I don't know, maybe that copy and paste mentality probably wasn't the best because it did lead me to six months back in a wheelchair. But in general, I think it was the right mentality for what I needed at the time. You
0: know, Rome, but isn't that, when you say that six months, but isn't that just part of this process, isn't those types of you know sort of s curves that we go through
1: self-learning self-learning sure self-learning i, I mean I, if i would if somebody would have told me before i went on a trip hey you got new sockets. um don't wear them all day when you go there because yeah they're going to feel more com- comfortable but they might lead to they very mm-hmm. well li- will lead to your skin breakdown <laughs> and when i got there that hotel didn't have any wheelchairs that were free for i don't know Get to pay to play on a wheelchair. Yeah. Uh, so, and I just wanted to show off my walking, my new sockets. No, I get so, it. So, yes, yeah, six months ago, if I knew. No,
0: I, I, uh, I actually, when I first was able to get into a prep socket, everything, at least what I see, very, very much online, is I will watch the journey of certain amputees, new amputees, and everything is, at least in the beginning, it's sort of built around, hey, I'm coming out of surgery. I'm going into rehab. I'm going into physical therapy. I can't wait to get in my leg or I can't wait to get in my legs. Mm -hmm. And that becomes the focus, the goal. And social media has a tendency to cheer that on. And then someone gets into a prosthesis and let's say they're in a prep. So now I'm in a prep socket. And it's go, go, go. And I was in that same sort of attitude of, well, now I've got to walk. Like, this is my duty. I I have to wear this. I don't care how painful it is. I don't care how new and different this feels. I don't care how much my residual limb is continually reforming just about every day at that point. because um, That's exactly how I felt. Yeah, your limb is so new and you're just... I, I mean, you're, you're, you're fluid. The mentality
1: was just go, go, go. Exactly. You know, exactly. don't let anybody see you not try to go harder.
0: Bingo. And I was in that same attitude. And like yourself, skin breakdown. I was in wound care um, for probably about six months. So for me, go, go, go. And then a major setback, trying to learn about, prosthetics trying to understand what system, what socket, what options were best for me, my residual limb, my individual set of circumstances, my you know what liners are best for my skin type, what, you know, how do I manage moisture, how do I manage skin care? All of these things I feel are such uh-huh. a long and winding road that I would tell one hundred percent. Yeah, I would tell any amputee. And, it never ends. It never ends.
1: And, and no, but also there. I mean, at the same time for me, there is. I feel like there is an end game, right? Not an end game so much, but I have. I, think there's I know other. I know other amputees that are bilateral above knees that are direct skin to sock, socket. You know, direct, no liners, and that takes years. But it also. Doesn't take a bunch of skin grafts. I couldn't do that even if I wanted to, you know. Yeah. But those kind of things you learn from your prosthetist for sure. But also, I knew like I didn't start off with the raw uh, direct air suction sockets either, right? Uh, my first ones were the liner ones. Then I tried the pins, and it was right around that time that I started finding uh, these people on like, Instagram that have. <laughs> been at the Bacca game for a little longer i just asked oh well oh, what are you what are you in there oh they're air suction and i just went to my prosthetist oh look this guy's an air suction i want i want that that looks a lot simpler just mm-hmm. psh, 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 no contraption nothing he's like okay sounds mm-hmm. good what you want we're in this together
0: yeah
1: And so it's so important to have a that teammate uh chemistry with your prosthetist i think
0: yeah and if we're if we develop a curious nature as amputees and we ask questions, and I'm a very curious person, if I if I mm-hmm. see something that I'm thinking, okay, you know, why is that different? Or why is that person capable of moving in a way that I feel like I'm struggling per se, mm-hmm. I'm usually one to if if I'm there, ask a question. If it's something I see online, I—I mean, I'm as bold as to just shoot out a message and say, "Hey, I noticed, you know, you using a particular leg, and I was just curious as to what it is and how has that been going for you." I think those that type of mentality—that's exactly
1: what I was doing in. Like 2019, 2020, shooting out messages yep. to people on Instagram, and I was lucky enough to get some responses. Yeah, the ones that I got uh, just led me to where I am now. What
0: do you What do you feel um, for this community? What What about this community in terms of opportunities and you know accessibility issues? What What do you see necessary for people like us? What What, what do you want to see change?
1: Well, when you say us, I mean amputees or... I mean amputees right,
0: specifically.
1: Just just straight up amputees. Yeah. What do I want to see changed?
0: Where, um, do you, where do you see a deficiency? Where do you see a deficiency for this community? What would you like to see change?
1: I would like to see a little bit more respect come at amputees from the older generation. Like, I look at kids when they see us, nothing but awe and amazement. I love it when kids stare at me, but I do not uh, like it when an adult stares. Okay, Adults so so perceptions. And to feel like they're belittling someone.
0: So perceptions you'd like to see change. And so much of what... It's okay we're t- for an adult
1: to act like a kid. Yeah. I mean, you know, act engaged somehow. But... Yeah. I mean, you know the look that I'm talking about. That adult stare, that sideways. And we all know you're looking.
0: I cert—I certainly do. I certainly do. And so much of what I am trying to accomplish in speaking to you and many people like you in this forum is the normalization of our lifestyle. That we are normal. There is no less than. Mm-hmm. That we live very, very active, normal lives, and we have to push for opportunities in all aspects of life, whether that's career, relationships, uh, you know, the same the same kind of opportunities to participate, to have um, you know, places where our voices can be heard. I I, I just tend to believe that the the amputee the amputee community specifically uh is very underserved, and there are a lot of misperceptions about amputees and I think uh-huh. that we need to sort of create i mean not to get you know all hippie on you, but we sort of need to create that light we need to create that energy that gets out there to show people like you're referring to that our lives are very normal and see
1: i don't even know if normal is the right word anymore well, what word would you use you know yeah i'm, I'm unique and special you want to look at me because you think i'm less than for whatever reason you go ahead whatever convinces you but do i feel normal uh no i feel way above and beyond normal You know, so would you
0: call it it your new normal?
1: Yeah, I could do that (laughs) because I wasn't born this way and I definitely know somebody who was, and this would, this would be his normal. Right. But for me, it's a new normal for sure. I like that better.
0: Well, well, normal is a, it's a broad term and normal Mm. means a lot of things to a lot of different people. It has a lot of different meanings
1: and now I see I I think it might even be harder to be normal a normal amputee. Yeah. Like, what does that even mean to somebody like us? You know? Yeah, what would be I, a normal amputee?
0: I think for me it's it's about finding my best self. I think it's about reaching my fullest potential, uh, physically, mentally, spiritually, trying mm-hmm. to find a lane that I can thrive in and like yourself i do i do i do recall moments of sh- those sort of strange social interactions that uh-huh. that don't go so well and you know i was i was talking yeah. to my girlfriend the other day and i said um you know even even now i will hesitate to get out of my vehicle sometimes if i if i know sort of like people are in proximity i don't Mm -hmm. want to be on display Mm. uh especially if i have my leg off and i need to put it on like on the
1: street kind of kind of thing so i've never done that before yeah oh no actually that's not true that's not true i just i've never i try to never take my liner off
0: yeah no, like, I, the
1: leg, sometimes uh, I've had to, like, in the gym, sometimes it's come off, put it back on, no big deal. Uh, the liner, no, nah, that I don't like to show yet.
0: Yeah, there, there's, there's been times where if, if I'm on a long, you know, I, I drive with my left foot, but if if I'm mm-hmm. taking a long trip, I'll, you know, take my, my prosthesis off, which is on my right leg, and mm-hmm. I'll go down to my... Um, you know, my liner sock. I mean, I've got my, my gel liner off. I've got my leg off. And in order for me to depart the vehicle, (laughs) I, I can't put my leg on like inside of the driver's seat. I literally have to turn sort of Right. You got to open the door. Open the door. Yeah. Step my, you know, touch my left foot to the ground and put on my prosthesis. And there have been times where I have done that, not knowing someone was in proximity, and mm-hmm. yeah, that's that's an interesting reaction. Let me just say that, mm.
1: especially you if know, it's uh, uh, somebody told me once. Somebody told me once. I remember I was uh, at the going the I see legs, and I noticed that this guy was you know looking at my legs, and I said. Oh, uh, well, I looked up and I said to him, "Oh, you like what you see, you know, like some some nonsense." I blurred it out, and then I was getting ready to go to the elevator, third floor, and he comes up to talk to me. We had a conversation for a few minutes, and I was so, I was so glad that he did. He's a very nice nice guy, actually, and we just uh, talked, and uh, he said. Yeah. You know, I used to go into a room and I could light it up and 99% of the people in there would be laughing, having a great time. And maybe 1% wouldn't like what I had to say. But all I could think about afterwards is that 1%. Not about that 99% that I actually liked it, but only thing. So his message was, Hey, if anybody's staring at you, they're the ones who's got the problems. Yeah. And that's, ever since I heard that, I've kind of tried to take that upon myself, especially when I get out of the car. You're going to look, go ahead. Um, generally, there's no reason to look back at you, unfortunately, right? So, and, but my mentality is I'm going to give you a reason to look back, to look again, you know, to do a double take.
0: <sighs> yeah,
1: no, I hear that's you. That's what keeps me motivated.
0: What? Um... You said you're getting ready for a half marathon. Did I hear that right? Sunday. Oh, on Monday.
1: Sunday, New York City. Or
0: Sunday. Okay.
1: Sunday, so, New York City, yeah. So,
0: so tell me about that.
1: Uh, it'll be my first half. Um, I've done two New York City full marathons already. Um, pre-based, out, but it's on my hand cycle. Yep. For Achilles International. Um so I've done two uh, New York City marathons. Uh, doing this half marathon Sunday, I'm doing Brooklyn Half Marathon during the summer. Um, hand cycling is just something that I gravitate towards. I remember when I was staying at Burke Rehabilitation Facility after my accident, uh, we had an amputee support group meeting there, and one of the guys there, Dominic Romano, uh, who helps run an Achilles International New York City chapter. Was there, and he invited me to come to a hand cycling clinic that they were doing at Berks. They have a track up there, so I tried it. And I immediately uh, loved, uh, fell in love with hand cycles because I could do it, and it was just one of those activities that I didn't need to have likes to be great at. So it was. Uh, Excellent love. And uh, Dom. it was me, my dad, and Dom um, cracked some joke. It was something of like, uh, oh, at least uh, at least this way, you know, your legs won't get cold. You don't even have any. And me and my dad ha- had a, a broadest laughter. You know, it was just like one of those big belly laughs I haven't had in a while. It was yeah. great. And then right after that, I just took to such a love to having the wind back in my hair. I had hair back then. Um. <laughs> And I never stopped. It was then uh, he told me that they had uh, workouts in Central Park. That's where they bike. And that's where I started to go because I'm still only 45 minutes away from the park. And then I was able to get a grant from the Challenge Athletes Foundation for my own bike. And now I participate in as many hand cycle events as I can. Wow, that's wonderful. Now I'm uh, doing marathons. I'm doing uh, Berlin uh, this year. Uh, I'm going to be doing New York City again. Uh, my main goal is to do the six-star, Abbott, uh, six-star international marathons. Um, so it's New York City, Boston, Chicago, uh, London, Tokyo, and Berlin. Wow. So I got New York City twice. So I'm going to get Berlin down. That is
0: huge. That is huge.
1: And then I'm hoping that maybe by the time I get to the last two, that I'll be maybe running them.
0: No, that's, that's phenomenal. The goal is to run these
1: marathons. Um,
0: well, sure. But the, the, the level of activity, the level of training, the level of dedication that goes into, because I know quite a few people that are um, hand cycling, it takes a tremendous amount of endurance, a tremendous amount of upper body strength, it is not Uh easy at all. Uh It's not a, uh, it's not a cakewalk. So when you're talking about marathon type of, uh, participation, that's huge. It's a huge source of inspiration. Um, in wrapping up today, getting your word out and engaging people that want to learn from you and, be inspired as I have by you, what, what's the best way to um, engage Mr. Rome Lakin?
1: So, for right now, and and I will admit I have been in hibernation mode since my last August, and I had this open wound. My thinking was nobody needs to see another guy in a wheelchair on social media posting dumb stuff. So, I didn't post anything until my wound healed up and I felt like I could walk again. And which is why my first post was in stubbies going into the uh, marathon. Um, uh, But uh, for Instagram, it's then in. In Rome. T H E N when in Rome. But then in Rome. Then in Rome. Okay. Um, it, Facebook, it's Rome Lakin. And on TikTok, it's Mr. L Train. Okay. Fantastic. Um, I and those are all. St- um, a lot of those channels are goofy stuff, right? Or, or you'll find that big video collaboration, one that I did. Um, I My plan is to very soon start a dedicated YouTube channel to uh, bilateral above knee amputee walking process. Um, Tips and tricks, things like that. Um I just need somebody else to hold the camera. <laughs>
0: <laughs> me too. Yeah, there's there's plenty of content. Hey no, you said you had a girlfriend. <laughs> yeah, she works. Ugh. She doesn't have time to follow me around, that's for sure. She's a busy lady. Well. Um no, why is that because you
1: can't earn any money?
0: <laughs> well, there's there's plenty of content out there, and I I if if you search uh, for Rome, he's out there. I mean, there's there's lots of video, there's lots of different types of content. Uh, it was not uh, certainly not difficult for me to discover you. And I'm glad it wasn't. No, not at all. And uh, I appreciate what you bring to the community. I appreciate how transparent you are and how offering you are of yourself and the sharing of your journey. Very important to all of us, and you are truly an inspiration. So I want to, in closing, I want to thank you for being here today, taking the time. I wish you a beautiful weekend, and uh, uh, hopefully, our weather on the East Coast as well in the Midwest here will cooperate, and we can get our spring jam on, as they say. Um, but thank you so much. Ditto, ditto. I, pre- I appreciate you being it here. It is my
1: pleasure. And I'm sure we will it be my talking pleasure. soon. Thank you so much for having me on, too.
0: No, it's 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 been it's been uh, it's been wonderful. And thanks again. That's going to actually wrap it up for us. My name is Rick Bonkowski. This is the Amped Up to Eleven podcast. And I want to wish everyone health and happiness. And we'll see you next time.